For me, podcasts are monsters. I'm getting a lot of content out of my brain and then I'm able to chop that up and create the micro content that you're referring to. You're listening to Recorded Content, a podcast for small, scrappy B2B marketing teams who wanna get the most out of podcasting. In each episode, we capture stories from industry experts and podcasters. Listen in and uncover what it takes to launch, run, and grow a successful B2B podcast. Check out and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Let's jump in. Hey, this is Justin. I'm the co-founder of Motion and your host for this episode of Recorded Content. Recorded Content is brought to you by Motion, a done-for-you podcast agency for small, scrappy B2B tech marketers. Today, I have the one and only, my friend, Gary Vaynerchuk. We're going to talk about the value and repurposing from pillar content. We'll talk about his strategy behind his NFT launch and really just dig into the value of video, podcasting, and more. Gary is a treat to talk to, and I can't wait. Enjoy. All right. So one of the biggest problems that I see with podcasting is that folks would rather publish more episodes than to publish great episodes, maybe less number of episodes themselves, but publish episodes with really nice repurposed content across different channels. And I know the reason is because the creation of other types of content is hard. Video content, long form writing, that list goes on. If you can just record more audio and put it out there, put out one or two episodes per week, maybe you'll get the traction you're looking for, you know, kind of the, if you build it, they will come kind of mentality. But in a 40 minute podcast episode, so much meat is left on the bone. If you're not creating repurposed content, video content, written content out of those episodes. So I'm curious from your perspective as a big proponent of that, why do you think that people would rather create more pillar content from podcasts, so episodes, then take the time to repurpose an episode across various channels. Lack of education. (laughs) It's like a wild kind of like quick answer. I think it's because people don't realize what you just said and obviously what I've been proponing my whole career, like the contextual creative and the distribution of other channels is consumed more and is stronger at building awareness for a podcast you know, I think that most people struggle with strategy. You know, like, it's just the truth. Like, uh, it's funny, I'm loud and high energy and all these things. But like, I think people, you know, I myself don't beat my chest of like, hey, I'm smart, I have good strategies. I've been, it's not that I've just worked hard for the last 25 years. You know, right now, this is the only thing I've done in the last two days outside of my NFT drop. I'm in the middle of fixing bugs, but I wanted to keep my word and do this podcast with you. And I appreciate it. And we're going to get to your NFT in a minute. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about your strategy there. But where I'm going with that is in the last 20 hours, I've sold $15.5 million worth of NFTs. That is ridiculously hard, but it took six months of like a lot of work and thinking. And I did 10 things wrong, Just. Like now I know because the market is the market is the market. By the way, in our common interests, I can't wait because now I get to buy my Jordans and Charizards that I've got on the side to <laughs> off this execution. But like, you know, like I think that people are very confused about strategy and I love your opening question. What a, what a strong start to this podcast. I, the answer to your question is because they don't know. They haven't seen my, my white papers. They haven't followed 500 other people that thoughtfully understand this. They haven't listened to your podcast and asked, when you ask this question, they, they just don't know. It's unbelievable all the things I've learned about health and wellness and science and healthcare and things like just, you know, people actually just don't know. You know, you know this because there's a couple areas you're strong in knowledge, a couple areas I feel like I'm strong in knowledge. 
you always can tell when somebody just doesn't know and that's it. And, and I think there's this common confusion as to what you should create out of pillar content or what even is pillar content. So let's take a quick step back there and to give our audience a little bit of background, how would you define pillar content? Think of it as like the long form meaty, whether it's a 5,000 word article, whether it's a 45 minute podcast, whether it's a one hour show, it could be 15 minutes. It's not just on length, but it's the meaty thing. And then comma, you know, it becomes the thing that you break down into highlights. It's almost like let's talk sports because I know we love it. It's the game. Mm-hmm. And then all the highlights on Sports Center and on social media and all that brings awareness to the post game of it, which in theory becomes a flywheel because if you're like, oh my God, Ronald Acuna's insane or Otani, Otani, right? I've been so busy. Guy's out of his mind right now. I like want to watch an Angels game. I only from the. Co- the, the content that is made from the pillar content. I didn't watch the whole Otani game. Yeah. I saw the, the 500 foot bomb or the 10 Ks and oh my God, I want, and so that's how I think about this, right? There may be one good exchange you and I have here that's 39 seconds that you feel is like the thing, you put that on LinkedIn, that's gonna be the thing that gets people to care about you. One of the reasons I even wanted to do this is because I like you, and I was like, look, he's gonna be able to clip this because I know you get it. I see how you move. And it feels nice for me that that will help you book future guests and, and build what you're building. Exactly. And I think that there's this common misconception that people think is like, you know, <clears throat> you need to just keep creating pillar content and they spend so much time and energy getting new guests, putting out new episodes, clipping their episodes when they could take that same energy and squeeze so much more out. And I don't know about you, Gary, but as much as I want to watch every time Otani pitches or every time Ronald Acuna gets up to bat, I don't have the time for it. So I have to tune in to the highlights. And that's what I want a lot of times when I'm consuming content as well. You couldn't have said it better. So let's get into a real world example of you using and repurposing content all over the place. So you've been in the process of launching your NFT V friends. And I want to Break uh, it down for the audience, the pillar content that you've used there, the repurposed content, how you're using it to help community. But the first question before we get into the actual marketing strategy behind it, and I know it's a loaded question, but I have to set the stage. Please. What is VFriends? VFriends <laughs> is an intellectual property. You know, one thing, um, you know, again, we connected over sports cards. I, in my career as a teenager, I, as, a, as a child, Star Wars, wrestling figures. These are toys now. Star Wars, early 80s, into wrestling by 1984. A hint of G.I. Joe, a hint of Transformers. There was a cartoon called Mask. It was like two vehicles in one. That got five minutes of my time. My friend was into He-Man. I was a little, another friend was into Thundercats. I was a little to the side. And then I went into baseball cards. Then with baseball cards in 93, I smelled the moment that I was like, uh-oh, it's going away, and saw a huge explosion in comic books and toys and went heavy for that for five years. I loved ALF, I loved Smurfs, I was an 80s kid, so we had Saturday morning cartoons. I'm a byproduct of intellectual property. So just in my like real world, like Vayner and all that, I talk a lot about I was gonna buy nostalgic IP. Nostalgic IP, nostalgic mm-hmm. you know, IP, intellectual property. Robocop, like some small show on Netflix, like stuff like that. Uh, Nickelodeon, excuse me, from the 80s, 90s, or 
things like that, Inspector Gadget, always on my mind. So what vFriends is, is my version of that. I'm building my own universe, my own you know, kind of Smurfs, Scooby-Doo, but I'm using NFT technology to establish the characters and then film, television, video games, action figures. I'm building my world and it's fucking amazing. I'm, 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 I'm out, baseball cards and garage selling are the two things that kind of put me in that place. But this building of these characters feels so different and exciting. Like, dude, just when I send you a box of the trading cards of this V friends in like three years, when I get, you know, yeah. I, you, you don't know what that's going to feel like or do a Panini sticker deal with the, you know how the book, they have the Panini booklets and stickers mm-hmm. for the kids. Anyway, that's what I'm doing. And, then, and I'm doing it in a new technology, mainly because I have to learn the technology, Just For example, as you know, with sports cards, I, you know, I studied for six months. I went to the National in, in Cleveland, incognito. I read blowout forums. I you and a hundred other people on Twitter and got educated and then felt like I could say something. And then of course, you know, especially now, same thing, by the way, literally the same thing that happened with me in sports cards is happening with me in NFTs. Oh, you want to come here now? You're, you don't really, you don't really care. You know, all the fucking shit that I have to deal with. You're giving a hard time, Gary. Go figure. But, um, uh, no way. But, uh, but I'm really excited about it. And for everybody listening here, non-fungible tokens will be a big part of your life. Just have you, have you jumped into the top stuff yet or no? Uh, I haven't jumped in, although I, right now I'm kind of where you are, but you're or not where you are. You're in it. I'm where you may have been before, which is I'm kind of still observing. Uh, I love talking to my friends about it. It's like I'm kind of the the knowledgeable person, even though I'm not necessarily in it, yeah, that's what but following very closely. And I know that once that switch gets turned, uh, there's probably no turning back from there for me just because of my personality of really diving into something head first. Um, but yeah, watching very Let me tell you, it's a both world. For everybody who's listening that's in marketing or other things, we're obviously geeking out on our favorite common, you know, hobby sports cards. You know, it's going to be both. Like the physical helps the digital, the digital mm-hmm. helps the physical. I think a lot of people, if you're listening right now and you're like, no, 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 I don't want NFTs to be the way concert tickets are sold. I like, I'm in the business of selling paper tickets or right. QR codes or whatever it is. Anytime you fight technology, you lose. And anytime you think it's a winner-take-all game, you lose. Yeah. This is gonna help each other. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. And that's kind of what I've been saying to people, which is like, it, I mean, there's room, there is so much room to play uh, that I don't think it has to be an either-or. I've got my group chats with friends. You know, they like to run their Zed run horses. And then we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the, what the, the basketball prices and what have you. And it's all kind of falling under the same collectibles same umbrella. And, and to me, it's really wild because I love them both. And I'm like, Oh, this is epic. You know, it's like you zig when you, everyone zags, right? Like, I'm like, man, if everyone's over, over focused on NFTs compared to cards right now, this is my chance to buy some more of the things that I think are iconic, the LeBrons, the Jordans, the 61 Fleers. It's really fascinating to watch the waves. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the background on NFTs. Now let's bring this back to a little bit of actually marketing strategies. Uh, so I've seen you putting out snippets of content all over social. I've been following since you've been drawing for the last, what, three, four months. Um, yep. I've seen you on interviews on CNBC and other places. And I know you put out some 
longer, you know, kind of nicer videos describing the project. Where did you even get started with what your promotion strategy was going to be for V Friends? I I'm very intuitive. Just I don't really I have a lot I have a lot of strategy. I know you want to build awareness. I know how to do that from a creative standpoint using myself as a vehicle or understanding the creative that can bring, you know, it's all about bringing value. Like one thing that I think, you know, listen, again, not here to toot your horn, but one of the reasons I'm allocating my time to you is, you know, you, you like me, everyone has their own communication style. But when you really look under the hood of how you communicate on your Twitter account, you're trying to provide value. Mm-hmm. Ex- so, exactly. I, honestly, the reason, you know, when, when a lot of people are like, why are you going on with that dude? He's trolling you. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> I, literally, I'm being serious. I'm like, no, he's not. I think he, first of all, we don't know each other. He doesn't know every nuance of me and I don't know every nuance of him, but I can tell the intent on the tweets. They're not, you know, a lot of people use me just to build themselves up. A lot of people do a million different things. Uh, I just think you have care about your thing and you're curious. I think it's a strength. I think I'm the same way. So uh, I see that in you. I think about it as bringing value. If you look at the earliest content, it wasn't the seating of my drawing. I wanted to do that because that was more fun for me just to see. I was also yeah. learning, right, Justin? It was like consumer, like, am I am I as decent-ish as I think? Are people gonna be surprised that I can do this? Like, what characters do people like? The stuff that I was really doing is, my blog, my oldest content, and the stuff I was sharing is, what is an NFT? Mm-hmm. How do you connect the wallet? Beware of gas prices, like really educating. Yeah, A lot of the OGs in, e- in Ethereum-based uh, NFTs have hit me up and same shit. Like, oh, I thought you were gonna, you're a piece of shit. You're full of shit. <laughs> you know, land grab, you know. Yeah. And, and, and then now are like, man, thank you so much. You've put on tens. Same, you know this. Same thing that happened in sports cards. Oh, You've yeah. brought so many people to the, to the dance and we appreciate that. And I like doing that. I, you know, first of all, my community as Gary V, my customers as VaynerMedia and Wine Library, they're your oxygen. Without yeah. them, you're dead. I don't understand how people don't realize everything should be in theory about them. And then if you're lucky enough to get the financial, the non-financial, whatever it might be, the legacy, the accolades, the likes, whatever one's looking for. Um, so for me, the strategy was heavy education. Cause it's, I mean, literally before I came on this podcast and the second I hang up in 15 minutes, I'm gonna be doing hand to hand customer service geek squad Oh, you have to hold down <laughs> command shift R to refresh your cash because you're not really paying $30,000 in gas that was cashed from the night before. Like real shit, just. And, and something I actually want to talk about. I'm going to jump forward then. Um, so my, my firm runs another podcast about communities in B2B and just like community in basically every space from video games to trading cards, online communities are growing. And usually B2B is last on the uptake, but- uh, it's B2B has really made its way into online communities. And I know a big piece of VFriends for you is about helping the NFT community. What have you seen with the rise in online community? I mean, that, I mean, the first, if you go literally just, if you go read Crush It and the Thank You Economy, my first two books, what have I seen? The validation of something that people thought I was crazy about 15 years ago. You know why though, Just right? You know why I won that game and Alexis O'Hanna and Kevin Rose and many others. Again, there's hundreds of thousands that were on this train, not me. Because it's how humans work in real life, brother. Bro, I literally, 
high five strangers when they wear Jets hats in the middle of New York City, <laughs> right? People, book clubs, what movies we watch, look at Comic-Con, right? And then little things like beards. You ever see two dudes with super long beards <laughs> out in public look at each other and give each other the head nod? Like, no. like, yeah, nice. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, like, like we, humans are tribal. You know, like, you know, beards, uh, two women wearing the same kind of, like, like outfit styles. Jeeps. Uh, yeah, Jeeps is a great one. <laughs> you know, uh, it's why people wear the clothes they wear. It's associations, watches. Sneakers is a big one, right? Yep. You know, I, as I up my sneaker game through the years, like, boy, do like, you know, like they know and the nod. And, and so I, um... I, what do I think? I think digital's taking over everything, which is why NFTs are so important. Just, just listen to me. Again, little side note. Please keep it in the podcast because everybody needs to hear this. You need to get serious about this. This is going to happen. This is not kinda. This is social media. This is web 1.0. This is now web 3. It's here. And the collectible part of your brain is gonna help you navigate. Like you're very built between marketing and collectability DNA to do quite well here. You should really pay attention. Yeah. I love it. Get, and, get educated. And you're doing a great job of pushing out a ton of educational content, which is basically what I do in two different walks of life. One is here where I'm putting out uh, educational content for podcasters. And then my other walk of life is putting out educational content uh, for collectibles, mainly sports cards. Um, I'm curious about your process. So what goes into when you're making all of your content for what you've been doing with the launch of VFriends? Was it one sitting and or over a couple of days and you're capturing a ton of you know a ton of video of you drawing was yeah, it just there was, there was there was yep i got it great question uh there was probably four to five signature things there was the one week in malibu where i was like i'm gonna go be an artist and i need to be did not distracted and just draw that was a big one that was massive but then then outside of that seven to ten meaningful podcasts for me podcasts are monsters i win three times one I'm in the point of my career where I'm a big enough name that when I go on podcast, it's a bump for them and a smaller emerging one like yours, it becomes the leverage to get other guests. So I'm giving, selfless, and then selfishly, I'm getting a lot of content out of my brain, right? And then I'm able to chop that up and create the micro content that you're referring to. So it's been TV, it's been micro content from TV, but blogs, and, and that very big session, and then a couple of very long live streams with my community. And remember everyone, you're listening right now, it's like, okay, well Gary can have 14,000 people show up. I have the videos, they're on the internet, when there was nine. I was doing this when there was nine. Jo, you know, Justin doesn't have trillions of people listening to this podcast, he's still gonna have plenty, <laughs> he's still gonna have plenty of cuts, and when you're coming up the game, the guests are what get you cuts. He's gonna put this on Instagram and Twitter, people are gonna see my face, they're gonna stop. They're gonna yep. be my fans, who then become Justin fans. And so for everybody's listening, that's, and that's why you gotta keep asking. You don't ask, you don't get. Justin asked something of me that I say no to 500 times a day. Oh, by the way, even with how much I like him, and I think everyone can tell that I do on this show, it, it was probably a 13% chance I was gonna say yes. He called me at the right time. By the way, <laughs> I'm gonna ask him right now. It might have not been the first time you asked me. You might have hit me up on Twitter or DM or it's the second time he emailed me. That happens too. That's just the way it is. 
Yeah, and I, I bided my time too. I, I also wanted to make sure that it was the right time. And in this situation, you know, you've got something that you want to talk about that at the time I had a feeling I didn't know that I would interview you literally one week after your launch, but you know, it, it gives us a good opportunity to really dive into a specific initiative that you had just released and we can talk about the way that you created the content and built around it. So I really appreciate you coming on. I know you're an extremely busy guy. And, you know, as we wrap up here, I do have a couple of questions just maybe around advice. What advice would you give to a B2B marketer on how to leverage long form pillar content to drive marketing strategy? Give me one second, brother. I just literally, I apologize. I just had an emergency pop-up text. I had to answer. Please ask that again. I apologize. And don't edit that because I think people need to see all the true stuff. Go ahead. All right. Fair enough. We'll keep it in. Uh, so the question was, what advice would you give to a B2B marketer on uh, how to leverage long-form pillar content I got it. to drive marketing strategy? Do what this man's doing here. Do business podcasts or videos or a show and then chop it up and distribute the living hell out of it on LinkedIn. It works. I don't know what else to tell you. It is literally like I'm giving you the easiest piece of advice that of all time. I can't explain to you how well it works. It is literally like eat healthy and work out and physical things will happen for you over a course of a year if you do that every day. This is like an apple a day keeps the doctor away. It's a big deal. Please, please, please. Create a long-form show, podcast or video show, or be a guest on a lot of podcasts. Chop it up and post it organically on LinkedIn with hashtags around your industry in the post. You will be on the floor stunned how much opportunity it leads to. Well, that's it. I mean, I think I got what I need there. That's a great spot to end, Gary. Since we're coming up on our time, uh, where do people go to check out more about VFriends and stay up to date with what, Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk is doing. You know, Gary V-E-E is the handle I use on most platforms. And if you butcher Vaynerchuk, it will probably autocorrect in Google. So Gary Vaynerchuk in there, you can find a bunch of stuff. And I'm just flattered and thankful. And I'm very active on LinkedIn for this community. I'm sure you've seen me in stream. I'm, I've won that game. So thank you, Just. I root for you. Congrats on all your personal life. Great things going on. And thanks for having me on the show. All right, Gary, thanks again. I really appreciate you spending some time with me today on Recorded Content. Thanks for listening to Recorded Content, a show brought to you by Motion, a done-for-you podcasting agency for B2B tech marketers. We do the podcast stuff so you can focus on strategy, building brand awareness, and developing new relationships. To learn more about how you can launch and grow a podcast for your company, check out motionagency.io. Thanks for listening to Recorded Content. 